0: Welcome, everyone, to the Polaris podcast. I'm Jeremy Whipek, a partner of the Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, and I have with us Jeff Powell. Jeff is our managing partner, and he's also our chief investment officer. So, Jeff, it's uh, a great morning and uh, really a a wonderful start to the new year. So, I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely. Happy New Year. So, Jeff, as We look over the last year and more specifically, uh, we look at what happened last year and think about some of the things that are on the horizon for 2022. I thought it would be interesting to talk about some of the different events that are unfolding. Certainly, uh, the last couple of years have been uh, different to say the least in some of the challenges that we've had. And uh, 2022, we're certainly going to have some of those same challenges, although we are starting to uh, open up to a new chapter with some of the things that we're doing here in the U.S. And so that'd be interesting to get some of your thoughts and insights on some of these things as they unfold.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're obviously dealing with a very um, it's it's a feeling a little deja vu with what's going on. I mean, obviously, we're now almost two years or probably over two years into a worldwide pandemic um we have new variants now that we're dealing with trying to deal with uh with those in the process or um we're dealing with uh some demographic shifts that we've seen and really haven't seen uh uh this kind of demographic shift with people moving into retirement soon because we have seen the markets going up that's been a very different thing we're dealing with inflation that we haven't expected it's all, uh, it's you know, it's it's definitely a lot
0: of stuff going on. Yeah, and what's what's really interesting with a lot of that is, although some of these things may sound like uh, negative news, there's actually a lot of silver linings here. Um, and so the first one, obviously, being the coronavirus pandemic and the latest variant, where of course when you hear that there's a new variant circulating, the first thing, the first reaction is, well, how could that even be good? Um, But there are there's certainly a sense of optimism with some of the things that we're seeing with the Omicron variant and um, just some of the the potential implications there for uh, from a societal perspective. And so, Jeff, can you talk a little bit about Omicron and uh, just what your thoughts are and why perhaps this might uh, signal that perhaps things
1: are going to get better um, in the future? Well, I think that the number one thing that we have to start off with is by by discussing the fact that I am not a doctor, I'm not a virologist. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the stuff that I definitely deal with with regard to it is, you know, purely from a research standpoint and understanding the impact uh, that all of this will have from a portfolio management perspective. But you know, the if I'm a very big believer of um, understanding history, and if you look at exactly what happened with the Uh, The pandemic, my apologies, Um, if you look at the the pandemic, of uh, the 1918-1919 Spanish flu, one of the things that really went on there was the variants that were hitting, um, or virus is really not trying to kill its host, it's really trying to make sure that the host stays alive, and that it, it spreads as much as it possibly can. That's what we're starting to see with Omicron. So, we're seeing, yes, a little bit of a hospitalization rate going up, but we're not seeing the ICUs. And we're not seeing the death rate that we've seen in v- previous variants like Delta. So, to me, this is a positive sign. Well, it may be a little bit more um, uh, viral in the way of, the, of its spread. It's not as deadly, and that's really the key to it all. Yeah, and that's, that's really interesting because uh,
0: if we talk about or think about the uh, the Spanish flu that happened in 1918, 1919, um, a lot of times we don't recognize that the flu that we deal with today is, uh, is the mutated disease that people were dealing with then. And obviously you don't see a lot of uh, precautions like we did in 1918, 1919 to stop the spread of the flu, although there are certainly steps that people take. And the reason for that, to your point, is that it mutated to a point where it's still highly contagious, the flu still goes around the world every year, but it doesn't generally result in death. I know that there are exceptions to that where some people do unfortunately have um, more serious uh, health consequences from it, but overall, most people that get the flu are able to overcome it and then do the same thing next year and the same thing the year thereafter. And it looks like uh, to your point that uh, with the latest variant that it made a major step in that direction where it is highly contagious. And in fact, uh, we're seeing uh, those uh, rates continue to escalate, but the severity of it seems to be dropping. And so hopefully this is uh, the beginning of a new chapter where uh, we have a virus that's probably going to be here to stay, but one that doesn't result in the magnitude of health problems that the earlier variants did. Uh, and so, certainly, a lot to to look forward to there as this continues to evolve. You said that a lot better than I did with my little allergy attack that's going on over here. So, thank you. Sure. And uh, Jeff, with that, and I think these are two uh, interconnected. You talked about demographic shifts and some of the changes in desires. So, certainly, uh, COVID's given people a chance to reflect and really think about what's important. Um, a lot of people have experienced what it's like to work in hybrid type of environments, and it appears to be having an impact on expectations that employees have with their employer and just what they're looking for in the uh, fulfilling job and one that gives them the, uh, the ability to uh, perform their labors, but on their term, so to speak. And so, can you talk a little bit about what are some of those demographic shifts that we're seeing take place?
1: Well, I think there's going to be um, well, there's there's what's already happened. And then I think there's kind of the what the new normal will be. One of the things, uh, what I mean by the what's already happened, is that we've had a market that has really popped. I mean, between uh, you know where it came from at the lows, what it's recovered to, what it did last year, uh, what it even did uh, in 2020. And you've had you know this this great the great resignation that's happened in the last year. Uh, The numbers that I'm seeing is that more than 70% of those people are 55 and older, and these are people that are saying, you know what, my real estate's gone up significantly in value. My portfolio has gone up significantly in value. Why am I dealing with this? Why don't I just get into retirement right now? And so you've got a lot of people that were near retirement throwing their hands up in the air and saying, I'm done. And so you've got part of this that's going on is is what's creating a a bit of what's happening with regard to uh, the supply chain issues. I mean, if you look at the vacancy rates uh, of jobs, that's substantial. Uh, And if you look at the participation rate, it's gone down by a couple percentage points. And that's really uh, these older people that are retiring early. It's, It's not that they're the younger people now not going back to work, there was originally this this whole well you know the younger group has uh been paid too much and they're 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 lazy they're not going back to work that's not it at all it's the the near retirees that are going out and saying, "I'm done, I don't want to deal with this then there's the demographic shift of of what to expect as life is normal going forward and it, it's i think a life lesson i mean there a A lot of technology that's gone into being able to work from home and and do it effectively. Um, But also, you know, and again, I've joked about it in previous podcasts. I mean, our work from home policy was called PTO. I mean, if you wanted to work from home, you were taking the day off. There was nothing to do with you actually working. So fill in with us. I think you're going to continue to see a shift um, or work from home. I mean, just just gonna be how it is. Yeah, and I I
0: find that really interesting because like you, Jeff, um, I had this this notion, and and probably just from the the decades of working in the workforce that working from home was like on an exception basis where if you had this one off thing um, that it was an occasionally granted thing on just a case by case basis, and now it's completely shifted to where a lot of people they're working from home and it's kind of like they have to make sure that there's space in the office for them to be able to go in because that's the new normal. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that continues to evolve the workplace and also the jobs that people are attracted to. There are a lot of jobs where you don't have the luxury of being able to work from home. So anything that requires your physical presence, and I I know there's more than uh, what we can even um, start to list off here, but I do wonder if that's going to have an impact on not only the jobs that people start uh, uh, seeking for, but also the education that they uh, seek after in college, looking for those jobs that can give them skill sets, that give them that greater flexibility, because to your point, I think uh, uh, new values have been set on what people expect and don't expect within uh, a job, and it's certainly uh, manifesting itself in pretty dramatic fashion the last
1: uh, year or so. Just even think about it from the social standpoint too. I mean, like, you know, one of the things that we talk about in senior management is is the culture that's set by uh, the firm. And, and one of the ways that you're able to do that is by your interaction with your peers. And when you don't have that direct interaction, there's not as strong of a, of a relationship. So does that cause, you know, people to switch jobs more often? Does that cause, you know, there's just a, 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 a myriad of different questions that will be answered in time that I don't think that we're equipped to, to even come close to answering today uh, because there just isn't the answer, there isn't the, the knowledge base to know that what's gonna happen there.
0: Yeah, so uh, that's definitely something that uh, I'll be interested to follow to see how this ends up fully shaping up, but uh, we're certainly already seeing its impact in things like retail or restaurants where fortunately you can't do those jobs from home. and uh, I'm not sure if this is true across the country, but uh, certainly uh, true here in California, where uh, there are postings everywhere asking for people to start working for them, because they're all short staffed and looking for uh, people that would be willing to go into that work environment. And I'm sure there's more to it than just uh, not being able to work from home. There's other factors that are, uh, that are there at play, but that's something that, quite frankly, you would not have seen before the pandemic, where, um, it seemed like everywhere was fully staffed and, uh, and there were not issues in getting people to fill those spaces.
1: Well, I mean, let's take that one step further, Jeremy. I mean, right now we've seen unemployment drop almost to a level uh, where we were pre-pandemic. And so if we're looking at it from that kind of perspective, I mean, you've got an unemployment rate that's dropped dramatically. You've also seen wage increase go up dramatically. And this is, is a direct result of what you're talking about. Right now, unemployment rates have dropped all the way down to uh, a, a low of 4.2% as of November. And we've seen a wage increase uh, at a level of 5.9%, which is levels that we haven't seen since the early 80s. Mm-hmm. The issue there is that we've got inflation that's almost 7%. So again, one of the reasons why we've got this vacancy issue, and I think that a lot of people are like, wow, i you know, I've increase the salary that i'm going to offer well you have but you're still asking them to take a pay cut compared to what they would have been making last year based upon inflation rates so don't be so magnanimous actually give somebody a real raise and the ability to actually outpace inflation that's
0: uh, that's a really good point jeff um and the other part too is that if everyone increased their wages by that same amount i mean you're just you're not making yourself necessarily more attractive, you're just staying relevant. And that's certainly very different than trying to be more attractive to potential uh, employees to come work for your company. What I think it's really interesting and what's tied with this is that the Fed obviously has a charge of trying to keep uh, the unemployment rate down, um, but also controlling inflation. And for a while, the emphasis seemed to be on getting people back to work, keeping the unemployment rate down, But uh, it it sounds like a lot of that messaging or a lot of that focus has shifted with uh, the Fed and the comments that they've given the last uh, few uh, times that they've spoken. Can you talk a little bit about the, the direction that the Fed is going to be taking in 2022 and some of the expectations
1: there? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, obviously, when we're dealing with a worldwide pandemic, I mean, the first and foremost is protect the economy, make sure that we don't go into a massive recession like we did um, and getting people back to work as quickly as possible. So, I mean, we went from having an unemployment rate in, in April of, uh, of 2020, uh, that hit levels that we hadn't seen since the 1930s. Uh, we're talking great depression numbers. I mean, it, it spiked up to 14, almost 15% during that time period, very, very quickly. And we saw GDP numbers absolutely fall through the floor, uh, biggest losses that we had seen again, uh, in, almost 100 years, it wasn't quite Great Depression numbers, uh, but we saw more than a 10% drop in a quarter, uh, which is what we were seeing on an annual basis back during the Great Depression. So from that perspective, it was really more about protecting first and trying to grow. Um, What we've seen going on as a result of supply chain issues, uh, increased wages, a number of other uh, factors is inflation. And so the Federal Reserve had been uh doing a stimulus program if it was years past we would have been talking about quantitative easing uh we no longer use those phrases it was just a bond purchasing program uh where the federal government was going out and buying 120 billion dollars a month and treasuries and mortgage-backed securities which they have started to cut back on so that's phase number one once they're done with a tapering process uh i would expect to see the Fed start raising rates If you're looking at Fed fund rate uh, numbers, if you're going out just to the next Fed meeting, which is the end of January, there's almost no chance that they're making a move at all. Uh, But by summertime, uh, mid-June, you're looking at having a very high probability of one, if not two different 25 basis point moves. And then if you go out a year, basically, the farthest you can look at Fed futures right now is February of 2023. There's zero probability of things being where they are right now. Highest probability is to have three moves under our belt. The next highest probability is to have four. So you're going to start to see the Fed raise rates to start trying to combat a little bit of what we're dealing with from an inflationary environment. Yeah.
0: And on on the one hand, Jeff, this is, this is good news, right? This means that the Fed is seeing what they wanted to in the economy. They're seeing that things are continuing to crank along, and they're trying to slow it down so that we don't have runaway inflation. Because we've certainly all been dealing with that today. And so, I think uh, a lot of times there's this emphasis on the way that the news covers it that this is horrible. This is going to be um, really destructive. And yes, it's going to change the landscape. It's going to change the way that people use money and how they get access to debt, but this is what we had hoped would happen is that at some point the Fed wouldn't need to prop us up anymore. They wouldn't need to uh, uh, keep the economy going, but that the economy would be self-sustaining and be able to do it on its own. And it, uh, from what you're describing, it sounds like the Fed believes <clears throat> excuse me, the Fed believes that we're there, and that uh, they can take away some of the things that they've been using to bolster us and uh, hopefully do it in a manner that is uh, slow and controlled and thoughtful and uh, that they don't push too far that's the one big fear that people have is that they do too much, too fast. And uh, that's certainly been a mistake that they've made in the past. And it can lead to some short-term uh, adverse effects that uh, that we don't want to see happen here. Yeah, I
1: mean, one of the things that kind of comes to mind as you're describing all that. 2018, I mean, we had a great economy that starts raising rates, uh, starts selling bonds into that market. And you saw a flattening yield curve. And most people got freaked out about the, uh, the, at one point inverted for a nanosecond, and people freaked out saying that was the telltale sign of a recession, which just never happened. So we got to be, you know, we we need to be very vigilant with how we're watching what the Fed does in this upcoming year. Uh, To your exact point, they've been very diligent with what they've done. Uh, I would say that there is a lot of probability that they will get it right. Uh, We just need to make sure that they are getting it right. and the reaction to it so i mean bottom line behind it i mean we can be absolutely correct but we got to be watching uh how the street reacts to what the Fed is doing
0: yeah most definitely and so that'll be interesting to see uh how that unfolds and and uh, to what you're saying and how the market reacts to it because uh, obviously that's going to be a big influence on upcoming risks and opportunities, depending on uh, how it's perceived in the uh, greater marketplace. So as always, Jeff, thank you so much for going over these items. Obviously, a a few different things, uh, pushing and pulling in different directions, but uh, certainly all interconnected, interrelated. Um, Do you mind talking a little bit about the uh, webinar that we're going to be hosting uh, here next week? So um, we do a webinar every quarter. And so It's time, uh, or that time's coming up now.
1: Um, When will we be presenting that next uh, webinar? Well, everybody should have gotten a save the date yesterday, uh, but it's a week from today, 1 p.m. Pacific time. So hopefully everybody can make it. If you can't make it, uh, we do record them. Uh, It will be on the website. So uh, obviously, uh, if you can make it live, make it live. If you can't, enjoy it on your own. So perfect. All right, so it's going to be
0: a week from today, so January 12th. Um, and so definitely look forward to hearing you talk about some of these topics, as well as many um, more that you've prepared for us.
1: Yeah, I should actually make sure that we are saying the 12th, because who knows when this actually gets out on the, uh, uh, the website. So uh, I'm saying a week from today, but uh, January 12th, uh, 1 p.m. Uh, Pacific time is when the, when the webinar is. So
0: perfect. All right. And then, as always, Jeff, thank you very much for your time and sharing your thoughts with us today. All right. Thank you, Jeremy. And to all of our listeners, uh, as always, really appreciate you uh, spending the start of your 2022 with us and uh, certainly a lot of uh, different topics that we're going to uh, continue to uh, discuss with you over this uh, upcoming year. But as always, uh, to everyone, be happy, be safe, and be healthy.
2: Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional legal or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.